You're listening to EduRevolution, a podcast that inspires educators to make meaningful change. My name is Michael R. McCormick, and I'm a school district superintendent best known as a technology enthusiast who is dedicated to increasing opportunity and access for each student. I'm sitting down with the movers and shakers who are making waves in the education space through research, practice, and technology integration. Buckle up and be inspired to make changes in your school or district and join the Edu Revolution movement. You can find this podcast on all the major platforms. Well, hello, this is Michael McCormick, your host for the Edu Revolution podcast. And again, I am super excited. My guest today is none other than Phil Harding. He's a technology integration specialist for the Valverde Unified School District. He's also a CTO through SITE and a whole host of other things. But Phil, welcome to the episode. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah, life is good. You know, I have talked about you in some of the previous episodes. And so today I thought we should hear directly from the horse's mouth. You've actually been a teacher in the Valverde Unified School District for many years. We won't say how many, but we'll just leave it at many years. Well, you can just say I'm your, one of your most senior teachers. Yeah, what, there you go. There you go. One of the most senior teachers. <laughs> That's right. And so I've talked about early in your career, uh, you were a participant in a documentary film or a documentary video that was actually funded in part, I think, by the George Lucas of Star Wars fame and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. And so talk about, I mean, let's hear the backstory on what was this thing all about? Because I've seen the video, which was fantastic. But how did Val Verde wind up in this documentary film? Well, and as you heard in the documentary film, uh, the announcer they had said, you know, uh, the so-called internet. Now, keep in mind, this is 1993. <laughs> in 1992, uh, my second year teaching, I was kind of disappointed in where technology was at. Um, and I see that because I came from a kind of a different background. And all I saw was a bunch of old Apple IIEs that the kids were playing uh, Oregon Trail. And I thought, boy, there's so much more we could do. And I was that guy that was always trying to find tech to use with students. And I dug up a video camera. And I found my, get this, most people wouldn't know what this is today, a laser disc, right? Yeah. And I figured out with the laser disc, I sent away, uh, I've seen an ad for this guy in Massachusetts, Tom Snyder, Tom Snyder Productions. And he did this thing where you could go look for a space probe on a laser disc. And that caught the eye of Daryl Lint, who had been hired by our first uh, superintendent Leona Williams, and he kept asking me, "Well, Phil, what are you doing with this laser disc? And why? Are you, what are you? How are you using the video camera?" And I began explaining all the tech stuff I was doing with that. And the kids really bought in because it was so engaging to the laser disc because they were trying to find the lost space probe, and you had to do these clues: what planet was it on, and so on. And um, he says to me, "Hey, Phil, we're going to pull a cable uh, through your wall." And we're going to network the school. Oh, I said, and what will that cable allow me to do? Right. And he brought in a, a next computer. 
Now, let's give everybody a little bit of framework what an ex-computer was. Steve Jobs. <laughs> a little, little, a little, yeah. a little history well, lesson, Steve right? Jobs, as you know, Mike, he was he was kicked out of Apple by Scully, right? And uh, he starts his, of course, Steve Jobs. He starts his new computer company next. And everybody was talking about Next because it was Steve Jobs, right? And Daryl Lynn definitely thought that Steve Jobs using a Unix shell was on to something. And so Mike, here was my training to use a Next Step Unix box. I said to him as he hooked it up, him and Jake Miller, you'll remember Jake Miller's now retired, uh, was our, really our first networking engineer. Uh, Jake and Daryl hooks this thing together in my classroom. And I said, well, gentlemen, I'm dying to know. Show me how to turn it on. And we turned it on. And they said, well, we'll get back to you because we've got all these other units we're going to connect here at the school. And they hand me a manual. And it was like, 200 pages thick, right? And they said, you know, hey, uh, you've got an inquisitive mind. You're really excited about this. Uh, I have any questions, kind of ask us, and, and we'll be back. And that was my, my first training on Next Step. Um, and Mike, I went home, and I started digging into it. And the first thing I wanted to figure out was what was called email. Now, we may think email is a groundbreaking <laughs> thing. It was in 1993. How many of us had an email address then? None of us, hardly, right? Except for people who worked in the Defense Department or State Department or something like that. I was a little bit familiar from past background with, with electronic communications. I spent the whole weekend figuring out if I could send an email message. And I sent out two. I sent one to a teacher next door to me, Darwin Henton. And I sent the other one to my principal, Charles Cherry. He comes bursting in through the door and says, hey, Phil, there's a message on my computer from you. And that was your principal. And that was my principal. And it went on like that for the rest of the day, right? <laughs> but there was a more powerful tool than the email, Mike. And that was something called Gopher. Now, let me explain what Gopher is. Gopher was developed by the University of Minnesota to give you a way to get around on networks and find files, all right? Meaning if I was at University of California Riverside, I could go to University of Minnesota and look around in their library and be able to pull up information, like if they had digitized maps, photos, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, um, I remember using Gopher. I. Yeah, that takes me way back. Well, it was like it, it was kind of like a tree. You had to select the state, the place, the you know, <laughs> the university or or school. Now realize at this point, there's not many K twelve schools on the network, right? Uh, we were kind of ahead of our time. We decided to network all our schools together, and usually it, it tended to be high schools that were on not elementary, middle schools, right? And uh, my students started using Gopher, and they started going to the digital uh, museum at UCR and started pulling down uh, photos, which took, by the way, two and a half minutes to load. 
Uh, imagine that today. If 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 you had something uh, that took two and a half minutes to load, they'd be calling the IT department. That's right. right? Wondering and, why things uh, are grinding to a halt. Yeah, is something wrong with the network, Phil? It's taking too long. But back then, my students were in suspense, and uh, they started doing reports. We figured out how we could do reports. And I, and keep this in mind, I was still only a one-computer classroom doing this with the kids, right? And we would set up teams, and we'd rotate and do things. I think what really got us on the map was something by accident. I was trolling around in all my free time I could get. Uh, and I, I got on a modem at home and started crawling around using Gopher. And I tripped across this chance to take part in a moonshot with NASA, right? And I signed my class up and we played the part of March Air Force Base and it involved <laughs> the uh, space shuttle. Now, keep in mind, once again, this is 1993. You know, today it would be so normal. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm laughing to myself because I know you very well, Phil, and I know that there, there's something as, you know, big as uh, emulating March Air Reserve Base or Air Force Base at the time would not have been a limiting factor for you. No, not at all. In fact, the, <laughs> the, the kids bought into it so deeply, and we did all our research, and we were participating with schools from Ohio. Uh, I remember one from Michigan. Uh, that was near Michigan State. Um, and so the kids were interacting with all these. And we had such fun. And the parents, I had a lot of students whose parents worked at March Air Base at that point at Victoriano, including a couple of colonels and a sergeant and so on. And um, so they gave me great support. Our second venture out was with, uh, I think it was Boston College. I know it was a Massachusetts college. Um, they had a posting board and said, hey, we're going to do this thing about baleen wells where you can follow wells around and track them and learn about them. And they had this whole kit that you could download and use. And uh, they set up all these files and there were like 17 schools participating. And I thought, this is great. We're participating with a college in Massachusetts clear across the country, Mike. Right. And the funny part was the boys had to do these reports that they had to send in on a weekly basis. And so um, I remember Darren Mitchell and Shadi Reese uh, were, were doing um, the report back and they were talking to this professor at Boston College, right? And you know what happens in the winter in Boston. Snow is up to you know where. And the boys happened to mention, it's a beautiful day here in California. The sun is shining. The weather's really warm. And they said, Mr. Harding, something went wrong. And I go, what went wrong? So the guy stopped communicating with us, the professor. Well, he called our school to talk to me because he didn't know we were a school from California. <laughs> Pretty crazy, right? I mean, we take this stuff for granted today. But back in the early days, and you know what's fascinating is I came to the district in 1997, and there was a next computer on my desk as a middle school assistant principal. And I had never seen a next computer in my life. And 
you know, the connectivity was something I had not seen in other places I had worked. And so I knew I was truly in some place special when I, when I did come to the district and it was just easy to the entire district. It felt like with every teacher was on the network, on the computer with shared files by this time. And yes, Man, and you think about it, you know, you're talking about 1993, which was the very beginning of the implementation of the next computers, I'm guessing. So four years later, by the time I roll into the district, I mean, this thing is pretty well built out by this point. And yeah, and we were using it, uh, especially for communications. Yeah, I, I love that. And then I'm just, I'm dying for you, Phil, to get to the, uh, to get to the documentary. And so your kids are talking to this professor from Boston College. He's got no clue how he's gotten connected with somebody uh, who I'm guessing is emailing back. Are the kids emailing back and forth at this point? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Right on. And so, and, yeah, no and, video communications at this point. It's just straight email well, messaging back like and the forth. The funny part was he said to me, we thought you were the Indian school outside of Boston. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he said when, yeah, you were Victoriano, the, the Victoria, Victoria elementary school. And so they, they figured, Hey, this is just, you know, right, right on the edge of town. Yeah. That, that's, that's what they thought. And then when the kids were saying, Hey, you know, we have warm weather day and it's 80 degrees outside. They're in a snowstorm. <laughs> you know, and anyway, so this caught the eye of a group of people uh, that worked with the father of the Internet, as he likes to call himself, Al Gore. OK, and part of that group was the defense uh, agency that's in charge of thinking ahead uh, called DARPA. They were the uh, defense uh, agency for research uh, projections, meaning they try to think way, you know, 30 years ahead in the future. What's that going to look like? And so they, they get intrigued by schools that are becoming networked. And you remember Clinton and Gore were pushing public policy-wise that link every library and every school. That was their big deal, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, in the episode with Ken Kay, he spoke about some of that. Uh, he said it was actually, you know, during the Clinton administration that things were really starting to take off, and they could see that there was something special about the Internet. I don't think Ken would, would exactly describe it like that, but people were starting to get more interested in what this technology could do. Well, and, and Mike, you know, the, the next... Part of this was uh, Daryl Lynn asked me if a film crew could come to my classroom. And I said, a film crew? What am I going to do with a film crew? And uh, they wanted to film my students uh, using the Internet. Um, and one of the things that was real impressive at that point is we had put in from Grass Valley, their company up in Northern California. It was kind of like the earliest version of Zoom, all right, except think of your of your small bathroom in your home it was about that size and equipment <laughs> right and it allowed us to communicate to another school across the district i think we were linked to el potrero and i think it might have been rainbow ridge at the time and we would have students talking back and forth to each other 
But the bigger idea that Daryl Lynn had was what if we bring in an expert from outside, let's say from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, to talk to the kids. And so this is how we get involved in this uh, George Lucas-sponsored video called Network Schools. And like I said, I think at the beginning of this, they said, you know, the so-called internet. Because we still didn't, you know, it was still pretty new in an idea, in a sense. Um, And here I was going crazy with it. Um, One of the things that I do recall is Time Magazine came out with a cover that had an eyeball on it. And all this information is running into the eyeball. And it said the coming of the internet. And my wife brought the magazine home and said, look, you're, you're not going crazy. Look, it made Time Magazine. Well, the thing that was so powerful for me, Phil, is that I've watched that video with George Lucas, who does the entire introduction to it. And at that time, you're talking about the power of communication and collaboration. And you mentioned, you know, we, we want to, to make sure that our students are having the same access and we're thinking about education. The two countries I remember you mentioning was Japan and Germany. And we yeah. need to be thinking a little bit more about the way that teaching and learning is happening in those countries. And, you know, here we go, fast forward all these years ahead, and communication and collaboration uh, are still something that we're thinking about and saying, how, how do we open up and expand opportunities for students to practice communication and collaboration beyond the walls of their classroom, beyond the walls of their school? And here, you all were featured in, a, in this documentary back in 1994, trying out these things with the so-called internet at the time. Uh, it, it's just, you know, it, it's such a fascinating story to me. And it reinforces in some ways how forward-leaning, you know, you were and the work you were doing in 93, 94 time frame. And, you know, the kinds of things we're thinking about today, and it also in some ways makes me kind of hit the pause button because I think, man, in some ways we're still struggling with the same things. And have we really made progress? And I think that's where this whole kind of edgy revolution movement comes up as we start talking to, you know, kind of this band of guys and gals. And we're thinking, are we really getting the kind of, acceleration that we were hoping for, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And I think in some ways we are. And I also think that, you know, COVID has become an accelerator. I I was just getting ready to say that, Mike. I was getting ready to say the contagion changed everything. That's right. That's right. And And, so all of a sudden, it acted as a force multiplier, right? Because we no longer had a choice. And I, and I think that's, that's probably at least the way, the way I see it is like, we were, we were always kind of dancing around the edges of, of some of this technology and all of a sudden we had to rely on it. Well, and, and you know what too, Mike, we, we continued to adapt as the technology changed. I remember when Netscape first came out on the next and it was more like our modern day Chrome browser in some ways. Um, and so, you know, as other applications began to be developed, 
the more opportunities we had. And then somebody said, hey, shouldn't we kind of come up with a grade book that that works <laughs> for teachers and that's on the network? Uh, and Sassy came out with a, a grade book that we, and you may remember us implementing that at Rancho Verde High School. I sure do. Uh, yes. You know, and, and so look at where we're at now. Uh, they would never do grades without it yeah. uh, today, right? Um, and I think it's it's a matter of of also cultural change that we in Valverde we had a culture that was never afraid because we I think we were you know a somewhat poor district in many ways, but you know Dr. Workman, uh, God bless him, and and Mike Boyd and Dave Marshall, those guys always made us lift our heads up, you know, and I always said you know your teaching is the most important thing. And the community is the most important thing. And you have continued that legacy of focus on our teachers and on our community. And the technology is always in the background pushing us forward, right? Um, I always believed that we would get there someday. And, and you know, Mike, one, one day uh, during the contagion, um, I think I had gone from like seven o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the evening with nonstop helping teachers. I, as our teachers were trying to reach out and adapt to our students immediately, we were only out of action, maybe a, a week, maybe. And our teachers were already starting to rally and, and trying to connect with their students and with our community. Right. And for a moment I stopped and I thought, Wow. You know, all these years later, fast forward from 1994, it seemed like the teaching community moved with us or moved with me and my, and my students. And you know what's really powerful about it, Mike? I look over my shoulder, and at first, <laughs> there wasn't too many people helping me, all right? But when I looked over my shoulder the second time, there were more, Right? But the third time I looked over, my former students had become teachers, including my own baby baby girl has joined us in her fourth year teaching in the Valverde District. Uh, and all these, these people that grew up with technology, grew up with knowing what it, you know email is and so on, I think it made a cultural change. But a lot of it, too, is that we have always included our community in the technology. You know, you look at our Explore Fair, for example. Uh, you know, we, we draw a lot of people to see what our students are doing with technology. Uh, we always encourage our teachers to be innovative, and we offer tons of training and opportunities, and, and we push forward. But back in 1994 or 95, when, uh, they, when the documentary got made and, and – um, we had to figure out where to go from the next. And we started using a, a little company out of Texas called Dell. And we started using all these Dell computers in place. And so we just evolved the network. We, we went into a Windows-based uh, network. And yeah, and I, and I remember getting that new Dell. And, you know, fast forward, one of the funny things, we had a former technology director. And, you know, I had been kind of dabbling around and I'd, was poking on the internet and I see this thing about, you know, Google for schools. And uh, I remember coming in and, and speaking with him and, and 
he says, well, you know, Mike, we, we can take a look at that, but we're, we're a Microsoft shop. And I just, I'm not so sure if I see this Google thing really taking off. I mean, everything that we do is tied to Active Directory. And, uh, you know, for those of you that are listening that, that just chuckled like Phil is, you, you know what I'm talking about. And so, you know, here we are all these years later. And um, I'll tell you a quick story and you can fill in some of the details. So Phil, I think, comes back from a Q conference. And Phil, we should mention that you're a board member of Q and, and congratulations oh, yes. on serving that role. <laughs> but uh, Phil says uh, he comes back and I'm, I'm, I'm the assistant soup at uh, uh, Ed Services at the time. And he says, Mike, I've connected with some gals from Google and they want to come over and, and take a look at what we're doing in, in Valverde with our Chromebooks. And this was in the early days of Chromebook. We had classroom-based pro, uh, program. We weren't, you know, one-to-one yet. We certainly weren't thinking about having the kids bring them home and all this. We have these just amazing people from Google show up. All 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 female team, just powerhouse, <laughs> right? Remember, and um, they were pretty impressed with what we were doing. So they went they went on their way, and we stayed in contact with them. And then before we know it, we get I think we had five different models of demo Chromebooks that showed up and we arranged to get those into a fifth grade classroom in our, in our district. And the whole thing was the kids were going to use them, mess around with them, geek out with them. And then we were going to get on a Google meet with the engineers from Google. The kids were. And so the kids are testing these Chromebooks and then sharing their reflections. And I, and I remember thinking to myself at the time, if I was like a 10, 11-year-old and I was getting to, you know, provide my input to a Google engineer on a Chromebook, that would be like best day ever, right? And the funny part of this is, I don't know how many times I handled a particular Chromebook, you handled a, a particular Chromebook, and none of the adults realized that the thing had a hidden handle in it that was built into the case. You remember that, Phil? Oh, I, I remember that very well. Chris Parson uh, called me out in the parking lot. We were already leaving, and he says, Phil, get back here. Uh, and I walked back into his room and this little girl's holding up her Chromebook with the secret handle that none of the adults found. <laughs> I love it. And so, you know, from there, uh, we just, we developed a, a really wonderful relationship with um, Google. And actually, I would say it like this. We got to know the face of Google because we got to know the people that were involved on the education side in Google. and. Um, Gosh, what a tremendous experience. And uh, I'm personally just so grateful for, you know, the opportunities. I mean, we were uh, pre-pandemic. We were taking groups of students, uh, our parents, our educators, our administrators were going to Mountain View uh, to spend the day at, at Google and really get an idea, right, of, and, and Phil, you were up there, you, you were up there and, Oh yeah, I went with you. Yeah. You know, to see a twenty, a true example of a twenty-first century work environment where it's just a different experience. And I think for 
for myself and our students and our community to have that experience. You know, it, it goes back to like the old adage, sometimes you got to see it to believe it. And um, absolutely, those are those are powerful conversations um, that we had. And we learned about 10x thinking and our parents again were there and our students were there and teachers. Um, just a just a fantastic experience. And I think that really helped force multiply kind of our initiative down this path of how can we really integrate technology and use technology for the purpose of increasing our students' ability to communicate, collaborate, think critically, be creative, you know, be those creative problem solvers. And um, that was a big part of, I think, what we were talking about with Edgy Revolution. But Phil, I want to talk to you specifically about our partnerships, because I think that we have kind of developed something that's a little maybe unique, I don't know, with partnerships. And you're at the heart of this because you're a lot of things, Phil, but one thing I know about you, and I hope you appreciate this, is that <laughs> you, you are a connector of people. And so maybe just take a few, a few cases of the relationships that we've built with some of our solution providers over the year. Oh, and, and, and there, and there's been many of them. Uh, I always think, of course, first and foremost of Hovercam. Uh, remember Angie Bowenzi, uh, one of our teachers at the conference, goes to this small table back at the Q conference and finds uh, this digital camera. And it was simple to use. Uh, you could put anything under the disc, like replacing the overhead projector in a sense, but it was better than that. And um, we got like four of them to test them out and we put them through the ringer and Angie was showing what she was could do with it. And uh, next thing you know, I went to them and I found out that G Shin uh, lived in San Diego. And I remember driving down and buying a group of hover cams out of his garage. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, G. Mike, you know, can you imagine that? We started there by buying how many school districts would go down to a guy's garage. It, it seemed like something a little shady, right? But right. Go down right. there. And and we um and we get a hundred of them, right? And I'll never forget the reaction from our ties, which we'll talk about the teacher tax here in a little bit. Uh the ties came back like the next meeting and said, Phil, that's the best piece of hardware we've ever bought. <laughs> and it went from there, but we felt this relationship with G and his guys and their engineers and their marketing people. And uh, he kept asking questions and we were happy to give feedback. So I made it where we were giving constant loop feedback in real time. Hey, G, could you add this? Hey, could you get it to focus this a little bit better? Could you get it to, you know, add a few tools so we could mark it up while it's under there, you know, under the digital camera, whatever we're putting under there. And he kept adding to it and kept developing it. And so suddenly we become part of the product development, right? And when I think of uh, other companies that we've met, I think of Drop, I think of Splashtop, I think of ones that uh, we discovered and some like Synergize. 
you might remember uh, Synergize was great. Matt and I thought it would be really useful that people could see just-in-time videos. Uh, you know, if you had that quick question on, hey, how do I do that in a Google Doc? You could use the Synergize. Well, Matt and I get this nice little letter, uh, thank you letter in the mail, because Google bought them out. Because I kept saying to Google, hey, these guys are really hot. Next thing I know, Google bought them out. The guy yeah. was happier. They were a bunch of Canadians. I remember they were four Canadians. And they were like, oh, thank you, guys. Thank you. And Matt says, gee, we didn't even get any stock options out of that. You know? but, as but, it, you as know it should be. That That's one of many. And then think of Guru, who we continue to work with uh, trying to develop a state-of-the-art math system. Right? Yeah. And that's, and that's, and, and I think, you know, some of the best kind of uh, technologies, both hardware and software that, that have been discovered, have been discovered by teachers in the district. Uh, you know, teachers that are so creative and innovative and are willing to step out and kind of take a risk and try something new. And, and I'll never forget the day that Angie Buenzi and you sat in my office and brought me the hover cam and we looked at it and I thought, Hey, this is really powerful. And I remember calling our it uh, manager at the time and saying, Hey, will this thing work on our enterprise uh, network? And so they kind of put it through the paces and yeah, we learned we could do it and we could install the software in an enterprise uh, in, in enterprise architecture. And um, that's been just one of, of many and I guess what I'm proud of is there's always been a willingness to support teachers in trying to do something to make their teaching come alive for them. And I, and I think, Phil, if you go all the way back, that may be what you experienced all those years ago is how can the system support teaching and learning in new and kind of unique ways that'll keep the kids engaged, draw them in, give them that voice and choice. And um, it's been quite the ride, right? What, what are your thoughts? It, it on sure that? has. Well, you know what? It, 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 I think I take great pride in our teachers. Um, in fact, I, I can tell you, uh, you know, it really, it really hits me in the heart to know uh, that we've got an amazing district because of our teachers. I think we stand out uh, from many other districts because of the support we give our teachers, the support we give our kids, and the support we give our community. Um, you know, you and I were talking a little bit, I talked about the Explore Fair, where we have our students show what they have learned or learning with technology. Um, and Mike, you know how crazy the Explore Fair gets. It's like Comic-Con on steroids, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's we, a simple premise, right? It's, it's, a, a it's, premise. it's a simple premise. Let's give the kids an authentic audience. And so right. their parents and, come in and the community comes in. And, you know, it's interesting if you were to ask a kindergartner just in the classroom to say, hey, you've got to do a presentation and show somebody how to do block coding. They might get really nervous about that. But when you bring them in on a Saturday, feed them pizza, give them a T-shirt and say, hey, if somebody stops by our little booth, show them how to do block coding. The kids are like, it's just a totally different 
narrative, right, well, and, for the kids. And, it's and, nothing and, to get nervous about. They're just excited to show people what they can do. You know, Mike, when Greg McCorder uh, came up with that idea and we ran with it together, one of the things we, we did is I said, you know what, Greg, what we have done is we have turned professional development upside down. <laughs> yeah. We have brought the kids into being the teachers. Um, one of the funniest moments I had with all these drones flying around and everything else going on in this crazy carnival atmosphere that we have was there was a group of late girls from Vista Verde Middle School. They were dragging this catapult out to the field. And I said, ladies, you're not on the chart. Wait, wait a minute, you're not on the program. And they said, oh, this looked like so, so much fun, and we built this catapult. Is it okay if we take it out in the field and show people how we can shoot things with the uh, catapult? And that's why I told Greg, that's when you know you arrive, is when the kids are bringing the inventions out of their garage. And they had yeah. been in some kind of competition, right? And so we had ROTC people running drones. We had kids shooting off rockets in the back of Valverde High School. And, you know, here we had our award-winning video productions program and our, vid and our uh, amazing graphics program showing parents and the community what it is Valverde does and preparing our kids for a future. Yeah, and isn't that... One of the central tenets of the Edu Revolution movement is giving kids voice and choice in what they're doing, getting them engaged and excited, and also introducing them to the technologies that they're going to interact with in their futures. And even better that these kids um, become the reverse mentors and teachers of the adults in the system, right? I think oftentimes we underestimate the power of students who demand something more out of their educational experience. And, you know, quick side story. So we started this one-to-one -one iPad initiative at the school that you got your start at, Victoriana Elementary School. We were super excited to get those kids, you know, moving all the way through uh, their elementary school. And then somewhere along the line, when they were in fifth grade, we went, oh, no. What what are we gonna what are we gonna provide for this group of students who's now coming into middle school, and then wouldn't you know it we had the same conversation three years later as they were approaching high school, and we said the same thing. Oh man, th this group of students coming through is now going into high school, and guess what? Those kids have now graduated. In fact, I think they graduated last year, if I'm not mistaken, it's either last year or the year before. And that cohort of students, in my mind, helped transform a complete feeder pattern from elementary school to middle school to high school in realizing that they could do so much more with the technology. But Phil, let's, let's go back to, you said you would mention the ties, and I think we'll wrap it up there. We were, we were uh, talking several years ago when we said, how do we decentralize our IT support structures? And this, in my mind, you're really the architect of, of how we did those. So tell the audience, Phil, uh, about the technology integration specialists. Yes, well, uh, the ties are the technology integration experts. And what happened with that, the secret origin behind that uh, involves Steve Coelho who is a principal at Valverde High School now, 
but he was a young teacher then. And Steve and I were kind of the guys running around trying to keep all of this crazy technology that was growing operational. And one night, I think Steve and I were so tired, I went to Mike Boyd and I said, Mike, Steve and I alone can't do this. We need more of us. And I've got an idea. Let's put a teacher at each school. We'll have monthly meetings. We'll train them on the tech and and they'll help us. And Mike says, well, Phil, where are you going to get the training? And it so happened Intel came out with a program called Teach to the Future. And get this, Mike, the whole premise of their giant manual they gave us in the training through the RCOE happened uh, through what was called the California Technology Assistance Project. Um, The Intel Teach the Future program provided every teacher with their own copy of, get this, Microsoft Office, right? And it also provided funding to get a laptop for the teacher. And so I picked out eight individuals that went with Steve and and Bill Thompson and I to be uh, trained. And that was the beginning of what I called then the teacher techs. But as we grew, I had to grow them. And today there's 61 of them in in the district. And they play a very important role. They are the just-in-time frontline support uh, to our teachers. You know, an IT department can't get everywhere. It's impossible. Folks, on a given day, we get a 1,000 tickets, all right? Um, And we know that. But what about that teacher down the hall that can help you? Whether before school, after school, uh, in the high school level, we try to free at least one of the ties up for a whole uh, period where they can go in and render aid. And aid, what I mean by that, could be as simple as, here, let me help show you how to do that in Google Slides to, oh, you want to know how to do that in the Aries gradebook? Let me show you, right? And that just-in-time support makes a big difference because I'll tell you, Mike, the, the point of no return of a teacher not using technology is if they get frustrated with it and then they just give up on it. But if you give them the help, it propels them forward and they'll go, gee, I can do that. Look at what happened during this contagion, right? My ties broke their backs doing, doing help and we were doing training all over the place and we were giving personalized help to our teachers. And I would argue my, that our teachers did an incredible job during this crisis. And I, and I would say that a lot of that stems back to them, to our own teacher support and that we decentralized that support out of the IT department. You know, one of the things that we've kind of joked about, Phil, is the fastest way to kill a, a fresh technology initiative, have teachers have to stop what they're doing and fill out a help ticket and then wait for somebody from IT to come back over and answer the help ticket. And so the the idea of the technology integration experts being right on, boots on the ground, ready to support their fellow colleagues, you know, sometimes what we've noticed is it's not something that even takes 10 minutes. Most of the time it's a two to three minute to five minute thing. And if somebody can just hop down, they'll get them back going again and then they're on their way. And um, that's what we've seen is some great, um, it's really served as an accelerant for our integration of technology. 
Well, and, and it also, Mike, allows us to shift quickly. So let's say we discover a program that is very usable and doable. We can spread out that training to the sites immediately. Or uh, if you remember, I think you were in the district when we had the virus attack. Oh, I was there. And, <laughs> and uh, we had to do it all by hand. Yeah. And if we hadn't had the ties, we would have been in real trouble. Yeah. Because no uh, the IT department, uh, we gave out, I literally hand delivered to every school site to the ties disc to go around and put in uh, to run the antiviral. Yeah. Uh, that was before, and it was the kind of antiviral we couldn't do it over the network, if you remember. I do, I do, uh, I remember. In fact, I think you taught me how to do it, and I did several computers in the office myself. Yeah, yeah, we were in quite in. That was quite a dangerous, nasty little virus. <laughs> That's right. Well, hey, Phil, we're uh, we're unfortunately getting close to the end here, but and and I'm going to spring this on you. We did not talk about this, but uh, Phil, what are you grateful for? What's on your gratitude list? Mike, you know what? It, what I'm most grateful for, my greatest gratitude, is that I get to be a, a servant of 860 not only teachers, but our 20,000 students to make a difference. I grew up, uh, you know, with a father who served in the Second World War, and I was always brought up with a strong uh, commitment to other people. And that is what, what I'm always most proud of, is that that commitment has made a difference for our teachers, our students, our employees. Uh, there's no place as special as the Valverde Unified School District, and I say that with all my heart. Um, and I know every, every day I, I think, how can I make a difference? And uh, that might be some of my religious upbringing as a Quaker, or it could be... Uh, you know, also the way my parents brought me up, uh, you know, somebody would say, oh, that's the typical Midwesterner, right? <laughs> um, but I'm grateful for that. And I'm really grateful uh, when I look across that district, I see a lot of my former students like Will Winter, Dana McJunkin, and others who have followed into the teaching profession. And that is a, re a reward that you can't hardly describe. Yeah. Phil, I'm with you. You know, it's, um, it's a special place to be. And, um, I'm grateful for you and, um, all the years oh, of service you, and, uh, no turning in your retirement paperwork. We'll expect you to be under contract until you're at least 80 years old. Okay, Phil. <laughs> wow, what a retirement that'll be. <laughs> well, Phil, uh, absolutely. It's been great talking to you today. It's been it's been good to go down uh, memory lane and um, you know, I really do appreciate um you know, the things that you were working on back in the early days and the implementation of the next computers and then our transition over the Dell and you know, getting us connected so early on. I can picture your principal running from his office down to your classroom and saying, Hey, you sent me an email. I mean, that is just classic and um, enjoyed, of course, talking about the partnerships and you really are Phil, I believe a connector. Um, so many other things that you do so well, but I think that I have seen you work magic in connecting people together and connecting, you know, um, 
partners, making partnerships and corporations and just seeing off into the horizon, who would be good to work with somebody else? And um, we've, we've seen, I think, the fruits of, of some of that gift that you have. And um, also talking about the early days of the uh, teacher techs and then the technology integration experts and the value that they've brought to the district and it truly has been a value. It, it takes a team to do this work and um, to have those guys and gals that are right there at the school site ready to provide that just-in-time support I think has been uh, one of the foundational pieces of what we've been able to accomplish with our technology. And I think, and, and I'll just wrap up with this, one of the pieces I think where our transition into, you know, emergency distance learning, as you were talking about, Phil, when you were working some of those 12 and 15 hour days, is that we were already one-to-one -one take home with devices. We had the infrastructure in the district to support that you and your team have been doing, you know, technology and software training for a decade or better, right? And just oh, yeah. keeping people up with, you know, how to use these tools to engage students. And so for us, that transition, I think it was fairly smooth. I mean, it wasn't flawless, but it was pretty smooth. And Phil, um, we couldn't have done it without you and others on your team. And certainly you and Greg were at the heart of so much of that work. And uh, I am grateful for you and, and the service and the attitude well, that you, you, I, that I you, appreciate it. you know, that you brought to this work. And so Phil, let's do it again, because I know there's a lot of other stories that we can tell. But yeah, there's a lot to the story. Right on. All right, Phil, All take right, care. Bye. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening today. I hope you feel inspired to be the change our students need. You can find this podcast on all the major platforms. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. You can connect with me on Twitter at Mike underscore McCormick2 and Instagram at Michael R. McCormick. And hop on over to the edurevolutionpodcast.com website for free resources that support your next change initiative.